Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's get into today's message. Before I get started today, we have some really awesome things coming up that I want to share with you all so you can mark your calendars. On September 13th, we're celebrating our third birthday as a church. Now, if you're new to Collective or COVID has felt kind of like a time warp, Collective launched on September 17th in 2017, and every year we celebrate the launch of our church and we make it big. And this year is no different. So on September 13th, we will still do Collective Online at 9.30 a.m., but then that afternoon, we're going to have outdoor worship together. We're also working on bringing out a food truck and bringing back the Kona ice truck as well. Our goal is to celebrate what God has done and is doing in our church, even in a pandemic. It's going to be awesome, and we hope that you join us. Now let's get into the teaching for today. The summer before I started going to Milligan College in Tennessee, I was on campus for freshman orientation. And one of the things they had us do was a walking tour. Now, Milligan's a very small school. And so an upperclassman simply walked us from building to building, sharing sharing stories along the way about the college and its history. So we walked to the main academic building and heard a story about a well-known professor who went to Milligan, then later taught at Milligan. We walked to the student union building and heard about the Saturday night coffee house venue that they had set up. We walked to a construction site on campus that was becoming a new state-of-the-art set of tennis courts. And as we were walking up the hill to the cafeteria, our tour guide stopped halfway to point to a mountain in the distance. Now, Milligan is nestled in the Appalachian Mountains, so it's surrounded by mountains. But I'll never forget this. This young 19 to 20-year-old girl points at a very specific mountain that towers over the campus, and this is what she said. She said, that mountain is called Buffalo Mountain because of how it looks like a buffalo laying in the grass. And me, being the always cynical person I am, I started laughing. Like, I thought she was kidding because Milligan's mascot was a buffalo, so I thought it was some sort of inside joke, but she was being serious. She really saw a mountain that looked like a buffalo as did every other person in the walking tour. And all all I saw was a mountain. Sure, it had a spherical shape, but most mountains have that. It could have easily been half of a beach ball or a scoop of ice cream or just a hill with trees on it. But for her, and apparently the majority of people that I went to Milligan with, they saw a buffalo. Today, we're starting a brand new sermon series that I'm really excited about called Perspective. And your perspective is a particular attitude or way of regarding something, right? It's a point of view. It's the way that you see something. And so the big idea of this series is this. How you view your circumstances will determine how you live your life. Now, let me say that again, just in case you were mid-bite in your breakfast or more than likely, like my house, mid-yell at your kids because they won't sit still long enough for you to enjoy Collective Online. How you view your circumstances will determine how you live your life. 
your perspective matters. See, we get to choose our perspective when it comes to the trials that we face in our life, right? We have a choice in how we see these things. And while we're easily influenced by family, media, past experiences, or whatever, the choice is still ours when it comes to how we see and approach the hardships that we face. It's like a Rorschach test. The Rorschach inkblot test is a psychological test consisting of 10 inkblots printed on five on cards. Five cards are black and white. Five cards are in color. And this test was created in 1921 by Herman Rorschach for clinical psychology. And throughout the 20th century, the Rorschach inkblot test was commonly used and interpreted as a psychological test to see what perspective different people had when viewing different pictures. And while Rorschachs aren't widely used today, in fact, there's a little bit of controversy over the interpretation of these results, it's, a still, fa- it's still a fascinating exercise to know that different le- people can look at the same image and see something completely different, right? And while some people might look at this image and see darkness or anger or sadness, others might look at this and see hope or growth or peace. So over the next four weeks, We're going to talk about the truth that we have a choice when it comes to how we approach and how we see the hard seasons and trials in our life. And that through Jesus, we can have a healthier perspective that will lead to a better life. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks is read parts of the book of Philippians in the New Testament. And here's a little bit of background. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is one of the most famous Christians in the Bible But originally, he hated Jesus and every single person who followed him. But then one day, while heading to a city called Damascus to arrest and persecute a group of Christians, Jesus literally stops him in his tracks. Paul is blinded. He hears and speaks to Jesus. And in that moment, he realizes Jesus is truly the Son of God. And the result of that is that Paul repents. He he changes his life completely. He changes the way that he's living. He gets baptized. And he dedicates his life to spreading the good news of Jesus. So Paul becomes a church planter. And he goes from city to city preaching about Jesus and the grace and truth that he offers. And Paul does this throughout modern day Turkey and Greece and parts of Europe. And after Paul would plant a church, he would then head to the next city and start a new one. And while doing that, he'd actually send letters back to the churches he originally started in order to encourage them and challenge them to grow and work on what they were doing. And one of the churches he planted was in a place called Philippi. And this is a really important part of this. When Paul writes to Philippi, he isn't hanging out in a new city, starting a new church. He's in jail. In fact, Paul has been in prison for preaching about Jesus, and it's believed that his own execution is at hand. So for Paul, it doesn't get any worse than that. He doesn't get to plant any more churches. He doesn't get to visit the old churches that he sent letters to. He doesn't get to change the world for Jesus anymore. Instead, he awaits his last days in prison because he followed Jesus. So that's the filter that we have to have as we read through what Paul writes to the Philippians. And this is how he begins a letter in Philippians 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, this is a typical uh, greeting from Paul in his letters. He always starts with a salutation, 
And in this letter, he actually explains that he's writing on behalf of himself and Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. He was another church one. He helped in all the work that he had done. And he's saying, hey, like we're writing this together to you, the church in Philippi. Paul continues. Every time I think of you, I give, my, give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about you all, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Now, have you ever had a pen pal? Now, for those of you who are too young to know what a pen pal is, back in the day, us older people had to write letters to our out-of-state friends because we didn't have text or Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook Messenger or Marco Polo or Instagram Stories or WhatsApp. We had two choices. You could call people or write them letters. And just like today, teenagers in the 90s hated talking on the phone because it's the worst. So we would send letters back and forth. And when I was in middle school, I had a few pen pals that had met at camp, which saying that out loud sounds very embarrassing. Either way, I had a few pen pals and I can promise you that I never started off my letters in the same way that Paul did. It was the 90s. So I'm assuming that my letters went a little like this. Sup, bro. Let me tell you about my life and my problems and what I'm up to. My mom wouldn't get me the new Nirvana CD that I wanted. My sister and I got into a fight the other day and I was like, talk to the hand. I went to see Good Burger, that's a real movie, in theaters and it was all that and a bag of chips. See a home skillet. I can guarantee you I didn't talk that way in the 90s, but that's what people did in the 90s. But what I love about Paul's letter to the people in Philippi is that he starts by encouraging them, by building them up, praising them. And this shows what a special bond he has with that church. But more importantly, it shows Paul's perspective. He's in prison. If anyone has the right to complain about their circumstances, if anyone has the right to focus on themselves, if anyone has the right to be negative, it's Paul. But that isn't what he does. I mean, check this out just a few verses later. And I want, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Remember, Paul's in jail for telling people about Jesus, but that still doesn't stop him. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and, speak, and boldly speak God's message without fear. So here's the first takeaway today. You get to choose your perspective. You get to choose your perspective. The choice is yours. You get to choose how you approach your circumstances. Uh, Paul chooses to continue to talk to people about Jesus while he's in jail. He chooses a better approach. He chooses more purpose. He chooses to look at his current circumstances and make the best of them. And you can do the same thing, right? You're in a job that you don't love with a boss that's a jerk. You can either choose to take it out on your coworkers and continue to perpetuate a culture in the workplace where people treat other people poorly, or you can be the person who builds morale and community among the people you work, or work with, even though you don't like your boss, but you enjoy being around your coworkers. 
Maybe you're in a financial position where you can't take the vacation you wanted this summer with your family and you're upset about that. You can choose to sit around and mope. You can choose to become jealous of your friends on social media who are on vacation right now because you couldn't go. Or you can choose to figure out a way to plan special adventures with your kids where you explore Frederick, where you visit parks, where you take trips to have ice cream for dinner and create memories without having the high cost. Here's one I've been struggling with for the past months. Church is fully online and we can't meet together because of COVID. I can choose to disengage and be upset because this isn't what I wanted or what I expected church to be. Or I can choose to sit down and watch with my family because I don't personally get to do that ever. Or for you, maybe this is a time where you can intentionally use this to invite your friends to check out Collective because it's never been easier to do so than online right now. Or maybe this, you can take your next step because you realize that being online doesn't stop you from getting baptized or joining the team or joining one of our collectives, one of our small groups. Here's another one. You're single and you don't want to be. You're ready to settle down. You want to start a family, but right now it just isn't happening. Now you can choose to wait around for the right guy to magically appear in front of you, or you can do what we talked about in our intimacy intimacy series back in March And you can choose to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for, right? You can choose to invest in your mental health and work through the pain of old relationships. You can choose to work on your physical health. You can choose to put yourself in a position to be a better future spouse. Going even deeper than those examples, you have pain and brokenness in your life from a failed marriage from a friend who has betrayed you, from a job you lost, from a loved one who was taken from you way too soon. You can choose to blame God. You can choose to let your pain define you. You can choose to sit in your brokenness or you can choose to let God redeem your pain and allow it to help you grow. Or you can choose to let God redeem your pain and allow it to help other people grow. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, people believe that Paul wrote that as well. And what he's doing is he's recognizing that bad things happen. But if we trust God, if we continue to pursue God, if we let God work through us, God can do something good with the pain that we have experienced. But it's our choice to let God work. So the point is this, when you face trials, which you will, you get to choose your perspective, how you see those trials, how you approach those trials, how you respond to those trials. Now, let's continue to read what Paul writes, skipping ahead a few verses. He says, for you, have, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. See, it's easy to read what Paul writes in the beginning of this letter and chalk it up to him being optimistic and being completely naive, right? Or the truth is, and we do this often where we say, well, he's not fully grasping reality. But Paul doesn't pretend that he isn't struggling. He doesn't pretend like everything's okay. That's why he says, you've seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it, right? He understands, he fully grasped that things aren't going well. So the second thing I want you to write down today is this, don't ignore your trials. You see, in order to choose the right perspective, you have to be grounded in the reality of what is going on in your life. Time and time again, 
I'll sit down and have conversations with people whose marriages are struggling, who are making bad decisions with their money, who are not pouring into their relationship with Jesus. And the truth is these are people who are rapidly sprinting toward rock bottom or who are in the middle of a storm. And instead of them recognizing that they're struggling, they pretend like everything is okay. And more often than not, they throw out these empty Christian platitudes, right? God's got me. Everything happens for a reason. It's all part of God's plan. And what they're really doing is they're trying to ignore the problem until it goes away. And that's unhealthy. You can't ignore your trials. You can't make yourself so busy that they go away. You can't post enough happy family social media pictures to make it true. Don't ignore your trials. Now, I think the best example of this comes from my five-year-old, Elise. Elise is the most positive and optimistic person I have ever met in my life. And to be honest, Ray and I aren't sure where that came from because it's definitely not us. Last fall, while she was at daycare, she was having some trouble because she wasn't listening to her teacher. And her teacher was trying to get Elise to clean up so they could go outside and play, but it just wasn't happening. Elise was defiant and misbehaving. So after a few attempts to get her to do what she asked, her teacher told her that she needed to take a break, aka timeout, and sit at her desk for a few minutes to chill while the other kids got to go outside and play. And Elise, being the most optimistic person in the world, she didn't complain. She didn't throw a temper tantrum. Instead, she told her teacher, that's okay because my legs are tired. Now I can rest them so I can play more later. And listen, while that's cute in a five-year-old, and also it's not your five-year-old, so it's not that cute, she was completely ignoring the fact that she was in timeout, that she was missing out on something fun. And instead of her taking a deep breath and understanding that she was in trouble, she acted like everything was okay. And it wasn't, right? And we do the same thing as adults. We ignore the trials and pretend like everything's okay. But in order to have a healthy perspective, we have to recognize that our trials are real. Now, if you do the first two things we talked about today, right, you choose your perspective and you don't ignore your trials, you will have a better approach life. If, if you just do those two things, things will become a little bit easier and a little bit better for you. But please know, the only reason why Paul could face these trials and still have hope is because he chose Jesus, right? The only reason why Paul could get through imprisonment and a possible execution with a positive outlook was his faith in Jesus. Let's jump back a few verses. This is what he writes. For to me, living, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Right, so Paul realizes that his life could go in multiple different directions. Right, maybe he does get put on trial and executed. Maybe he gets set free. And he says there's a benefit to both of those things. If he dies, he recognizes that he spends eternity in heaven with God. If he lives, he gets to tell more people about Jesus. But again, no matter which direction his life takes him, he has hope because of his faith in Jesus, even while in prison, even with the unknowns, even in the trials that he's facing. You see, here's what Paul understands. Jesus gives you purpose. Jesus gives you hope. Jesus gives you peace. 
right? Jesus gives you a better perspective because it isn't all about life here on this earth, but eternity with God. An eternity that's described as having no pain or brokenness or tears or trials, right? Jesus gives you a better perspective because life isn't all about you, but about others. And when you choose to love others and care for others, we will have more joy. Jesus gives you a better perspective because he offers endless second chances, right? So when you face a trial, you know that it doesn't define you or force you down a path the rest of your life that you can't change. Jesus gives you a better perspective because he loves you. So that even in your lowest moments, even when you feel unlovable, you have the love of a savior that's unconditional, right? The reason Paul could have the perspective he had in the trials he was facing is because his faith wasn't in himself. It wasn't in others. It wasn't in the world. It was in Jesus. And Jesus promised that when we put our faith in him, right, when, we, when we're baptized, when we choose to shift our perspective to him, we will live life to the fullest, even in our trials. Now, it doesn't mean that your struggles will go away. It doesn't mean your trials will disappear. And Paul is proof of that. It simply means we have what we need and the perspective we need to get through those trials. So to those of you who are struggling and you don't know what else to do to get through today or next week or next month, maybe take a page out of Paul's book and start with Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been kind of passively following him for a long time, but you're looking for a fresh start, let, be, let today be the day where you choose to shift your perspective onto him, to put him first and see how that impacts your life. And the way that we celebrate that at Collective is through baptism. Baptism means to be immersed in water and it represents the death of your old self and the raising up into new life. That is why Paul had the perspective that he had. His faith is in Jesus and the life that he has to offer. And if you're ready to take that step or if you just wanna to talk to somebody about taking that step and shifting your perspective, you can check off baptism on your online connection card you can head to mycollective.church slash baptism and Danielle will reach out to you this week so you can start having a conversation about what that looks like to view things the way that Jesus wants you to view things. Now we all know this, but it bears repeating. Life is full of trials, right? This season right now is full of trials. And while I have no idea what you're going through and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in your life, one thing I do know is that whatever you are facing, it's better with Jesus than without him. So let's shift our perspectives onto Jesus and choose the hope and peace and joy that he brings. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, um, first and foremost, that we don't have to go through our trials alone. God, that the reason why Paul could get through what, what he had to deal with, with the imprisonment and the unknown and a possible execution was because the entire time that he's dealing with this trial, this storm, this, this unknown, this part of his life uh, that he didn't ask for, God, he's not alone. God, you're with him. And as he faces those hardships, that's the filter that he has. And he has hope because of you. And he has peace because of you. And he has joy because of you. And he has uh, just a willingness to keep going because of you. So God, I pray as we face trials, as we're in them right now, or as we're about to be in them in the future, God, I pray that our perspective can change and we view things the way that you ask us to. God, ultimately the way that Paul modeled for us. God, but we recognize that when we follow you, our perspective changes 
And even in our trials and even in the pain and even the hard things that we deal with, we're gonna be okay because we have you. So God, help us do that this week. Um, God, help us see things through a different way. Help us allow you to be the filter in which we approach the things in our life that are going well and the things that aren't going well. But God, ultimately through all of that, help us recognize that even in our lowest moments and even in the storms, you are with us. And that is why we can have the perspective that we have. God, we thank you. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.